someone were to say, now I have been a believer for many, many years, but right now I feel that God has forgotten me. God's hiding his face from me. I've no sense of his love. I've no sense of his presence. How would you help them? Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, I'm guessing that question is one which causes us to think hard about how best to answer. How can we reach out to someone who is going through agony in their soul? Yeah, it's important to remember the Bible is not only given for our immediate personal needs. It's given to us as Christian believers so that we may be equipped to be really useful in the purpose of God. You may not be in an agony of soul right now, but you may very well today or very soon be brought in God's kindness alongside a person who is. Now, how are you going to help them? Well, the scripture is given to us to help us shape the words that are going to be most helpful to a person who is in the deepest distress. And that's what we're finding in Psalm 13 that we're looking at today. And if you are in an agony of soul right now, I'm so glad that you're listening to the program today because this psalm is God's word for you. And I hope that he will use it by the power of his spirit to bring you comfort and to bring you strength and to bring you hope today. So, as Colin says, we're in Psalm 13 today, so I hope you'll be able to join us in your Bible as we continue the message, How to Pray When You're in Agony of Soul. Here's Colin. How should you pray when, for whatever reason, you find yourself in an agony of soul? Number one, lay out what you feel. And that's in the first two verses. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now, the most striking thing, surely, about these verses is that David is speaking here with complete candor, absolute frankness. This is no holds barred saying it like it is in the presence of God. And David is feeling that he has reached the limit of what he can endure in these struggles. How can I carry on like this, he says to God. And he lays it all out in the presence of God. His struggle comes in three parts. He has a struggle with his enemy, whatever he's up against. And he says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Notice that phrase, over me. In other words, he's feeling that whatever it was that David was facing... It's got the upper hand over him. He's not on top of it. It's on top of him. It's over me. He feels pressed down by it. He's not prevailing over it. If you had said to David, we've got a seminar on Saturday called How to Live a Victorious Christian Life, David would have said, that's not for me because I'm not living in victory. I'm feeling that I'm under this thing. That's the reality of my experience. I feel defeated. I barely know how to keep going, let alone be victorious. Second, he's struggling with himself. Verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? Taking counsel in my soul. In other words, he's going round and round in circles in his own internal thoughts. You know what that's like when you're distressed. What am I going to do? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do the other? How am I going to survive? How can I carry on? 
and these relentless questions going on in the soul. And in this situation, none of them making any progress whatsoever. There's never any answer. It feels God is so far off. Um, he never breaks out of this cycle of feeling completely defeated by the whole circumstance in which he finds himself. And then, of course, the heart of it, which is why it's at the beginning, is his struggle with God. Oh, Lord, will you forget me forever? Hide your face from me. And here's the heart of the problem that he's struggling with. And do you know what this is like if you've been through this kind of experience? Why does God seem so far away when I need him the most? That's what he's saying here. Now, you may be asking the question, how common is this? This is a sort of really strange experience that David is going through. Listen to this comment again from James Boyce that I found helpful. He says, speaking out of years of pastoral experience, I am convinced that a feeling of abandonment is far more common than it appears to be. Many people feel abandoned first by others, but ultimately also by God. And he's talking about Christian believers here. He goes on to say that although this is, in his experience, a common problem, he is surprised by the degree to which it is ignored. Why do you suppose this is, he asks. Answer, I think it is because we have been taught that Christians are not supposed to experience such things and that we are only to have life more abundantly or to live victoriously. Well, thank God David does speak about it. And so, how are you to pray when you are in an agony of soul? Here's the first thing. Lay out what you feel. No holds barred in the presence of God. Have no inhibitions about it. There is nothing that is hidden from Him. And it is so important for you to follow the example and the model of David here. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Lift up what you need. Lift up what you need. Verses 3 and 4, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. And here's the heart of his request in the prayer. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep in death, and so on. Now let me try and make this very practical for all of us here today. How would you try and help a person in your life group who this week shared with you and with the others that they felt utterly abandoned by God? What would you say? Now, this may very well happen in some groups. Someone were to say, now, I have been a believer for many, many years, but right now I feel that God has forgotten me. I feel he's not looking in my direction. He doesn't, he's hiding his face from me. What if someone was to say in your life group this week, I have been praying and praying and praying, and I never get an answer. Someone just said that to me this week, and of course that's something that is often a burden for a Christian believer. God's hiding his face from me. I have no sense of his love. I have no sense of his presence. How would you help them? Well, let me make these three suggestions to you. First, it is very important to recognize the experience, and that's one of the ways in which Psalm 13 helps us. If a mature believer like David 
who was a man after God's own heart, can feel abandoned by God, then no one should be surprised when it happens to others among us. Don't assume the worst about a believer who feels that God has abandoned them. You may find that someone within your life group, someone who is a Christian friend, says some very strong things where they're in the depth of grief. And you may say, well, how could they possibly have said that? And if you are rooted in the Bible, you will have some understanding. You'll say, well, even David was there. So, recognize the experience. Second, discern the question. Now, here's something worth remembering. It is a great mistake to assume that everyone who suffers is asking the question, why? Many people ask the question, why, when they suffer, but others ask the question, how long? Which is a very different question. These are totally different questions. One is a question of meaning, the other is a question of endurance. And it's very important if you want to help a person who's suffering to discern which of these questions they're actually asking, because the answers are quite different. The approach, the response is quite different. You know there are many, many Psalms that ask the question, why? Many Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's the why question, Psalm 22. But look for the word why in this psalm. It's not there. What question is in this psalm? How long? Four times. If you didn't hear that, you weren't listening. If it's a person who's speaking to you, you say, how long, how long, how long, how long? This is not a question of making sense of suffering. This is a question of finding the strength to endure it. What this is a cry for is not for wisdom to which you're going to give some answer, but for strength. And that is why it's so important that when the question is, how am I going to find strength? What's the next thing that happens in verse 3 and 4? That you find David coming and he's, he's asking for help. So you see, if you were to come to David, when he's not asking the why question, he's asking the how long question. And if you were simply to say to David, you know what, I know it's years after you live, but one day Romans 8, 28 will be written, and it says God works in all things for good for those who love him and so forth, David would not particularly be helped by that. He's not asking, is God good? He's asking, how do I get through tomorrow? And that's the whole point of the prayer. So he asks for help. So recognize the problem, discern the question. This is about how to help our friends in dark places, and then ask for help. The best thing you can do for a believer who feels overwhelmed with their sorrow and abandoned by God is to come alongside and to pray for them, and to pray if they will allow you with them especially when they feel that they are not able to pray for themselves. And notice how David prays here, or what David prays for here. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes. Now that is a prayer for strength. Here's David, and he's in an agony of soul. And he's not looking for an answer. He's looking for strength. He's looking for the help and for the sense of the presence of God that's going to enable him simply to keep going. 
And the best way that you can help someone who is in that situation, who God may bring across your path this week, is that you come alongside, and you come alongside in genuine sympathy, and that you help them to draw near to God in prayer when they feel that God is so very far off. So this is very practical in terms of how we pastor our own souls and how we seek to walk with and help with others who are are suffering. Lay out what you feel. Lift up what you need. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, How to Pray When You're in Agony of Soul. And we'll get back to the message very shortly. Don't forget, if you ever miss one of our broadcasts, why not come online and catch up or go back and listen again on our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. You can also find us as a podcast. That'll be on your favourite podcast site. Just search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Back to the message now. Here's Colin. Lay out what you feel. Lift up what you need. Number three, lean into what you know. Lean into what you know. Verse five, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Do you notice how the turning point in the psalm is in the character of God? If you study through the psalms, you'll find that again and again and again, that the turning point is in the character of God, your steadfast love. Now, this is the great Bible Hebrew word, Hesed, that many of you may be familiar with, and it's translated in different ways. Steadfast love is a wonderful way to translate it. It simply means love that lasts. It means love that you can count on. It means love that endures on and on and on through thick and thin, through the best and through the worst. I have trusted, says David, in your steadfast love. Think of it. Uh, David's opened up all that he feels, but now he's going to lean into what he knows. What do we know about the love of God? The love of God for you, my friend, and remind your soul of this often when you're in the darkest times. The love of God for you never began It had no beginning, and it will never end. It will be to all eternity. You have loved me with an everlasting love. And David, in the moments of his greatest darkness, where his feelings are not able even to comprehend a sense of the presence of God, leans into this great revealed truth of who God is and what God has revealed about himself. And think about how powerful this is. What's the problem David is facing? He is facing a problem that shows no sign of going away. He is facing a 
trouble that has been for a long time. And so his question is, how long? And how is he gaining help? He is gaining help in this way, that he dares to believe that God's love will go on longer than his suffering, that it will outlast the pain that he endures. David confronts the pain of long-lasting sorrow with the longer-lasting love of God. And friends, there are times, and this is most of the time in the Christian life, when you know the love of God by faith and by feeling. That's wonderful. But there are times in the Christian life where you know the love of God by faith alone. And that's where David is here. There's a gritting of David's teeth almost as he says this, and it's a marvelously courageous statement of faith. I've been absolutely candid here, O oh God. I feel like you've forgotten me, that you're not even looking in my direction, but I'm asking for your help. Light my eyes, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lean into what I know, and in this long, long, long suffering, I am going to find my strength in your longer-lasting love. And then the last thing is simply this. Look to Jesus Christ. Lay out what you feel. Lift up what you need. Lean into what you know. And look to Jesus Christ. We called this series With Christ in the School of Prayer. Remembering that the mind of Christ was saturated with these psalms. He would have learned them growing up, used them in worship. He quoted them repeatedly. He used them and he experienced them and he is always with us. Christ is with us when we pray them. So it's good to ask, what did Jesus know about this psalm? How would Psalm 13 have related to him? You just need to ask the question to see the answer. Did Jesus ever know what it is to be in an agony of soul? That's a question worth asking when you're there. And you know the answer. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, during the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers with loud cries and tears. Not just in the garden of Gethsemane, he knew what it was to be in an agony of soul, and therefore he's able to stand with you when you are there. Did Jesus know what it is, verse 2, to say, I have sorrow in my heart all the day? Yes, that is why he was called the man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane he says, my soul is sorrowful to the point of death. How sorrowful is that? Did Jesus ever know what it was, verse 1, for the Father to hide his face? the Father who he had loved from all eternity. Oh yes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries out as he bears the sin of the world in the darkness right there on the cross. Jesus knows what it is to be in an agony of soul, and he is the Savior for those who suffer because he is the suffering Savior. He's the Savior for you. He's the one who can walk with you here in a way that no one else ever can. I end with two quotes. 
John Stott captures this so well in a moving passage in his book, The Cross of Christ. Begins with a very striking statement. John Stott says, I could never believe in God if it were not for the cross. You think about that. I could never believe in God if it were not for the cross. He continues, in a world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? He says, I have entered many Buddhist temples and stood respectfully before the statue of the Buddha, his legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing round his mouth, a remote look on his face detached from the agonies of the world. But each time after a while, I have to turn away. And in my imagination, I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on a cross, nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from the thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged into God-forsaken darkness. That, he says, is God for me. And that is the God for you. That is the only God for a world like this. Edward Shillito experienced the horrors of trench warfare, First World War. And you know how many people who endured the horrors of war felt that they could no longer believe in God as a result. Shillito went the other way. The horrors of war convinced him absolutely that a suffering world needs a suffering Savior. And he wrote a poem called Jesus of the Scars that includes these memorable lines. The other gods, he says, were strong. The other gods of the world, of religion. The other gods were strong, but you were weak. They rode, but you did stumble to your throne. To our wounds only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but you alone. And the wounds of Christ are his credentials to a suffering world. Christ suffered, and he came through it. And by God's grace and in his strength, so will you. I love what Colin said there a few moments ago. Christ is the saviour for those who suffer because he is the suffering saviour. I hope that if you find yourself in agony of soul or in any hard place, that today's message has been an encouragement to you about how you can persevere in prayer. Today's message is the last one of this month, and so it's the last opportunity to receive our free gift if you're able to set up a new donation to Open the Bible. It's a book. It's called The Christian Manifesto, and it's by Alistair Begg. Colin, what's special about this book? 
Well, Alistair takes us to the heart of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, as it's called in Luke's Gospel. And so we're into the teaching of Jesus that is just radically different from anything that we would ever find anywhere else. And Alistair draws this out in the most marvelous way. I mean, for example, here's what he says about Jesus' teaching on taking the log out of your own eye before we try and remove the speck out of someone else's eye. He says, it starts with me admitting that it's likely not my wife who needs to change, but me. It's not my co-workers who are the problem, but me. It's got that kind of personal, practical honesty. It's written with great clarity, great grace, and great wisdom. Alistair says, we are not called to be like the world, and the world does not need us to be like the world. We have something better to say because we have someone better to follow. It's a wonderful book because it points us so clearly, practically, and hopefully to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. The book's called The Christian Manifesto by Alistair Begg, and it's our gift to you if you're able to set up a new donation for the work of Open the Bible this month in the amount of £5 per month or more. Information about this offer and lots of other information besides is available on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll join us again next time. What do we know about lamenting? How should we do that? Find out next time on Open the Bible.